there's this thing in the developer world that you meet any developer who's independent, they're like, marketing's a dirty word, like it's disgusting, you don't want to do <laughs> SEO and marketing. And I used to feel like exactly like that because you think there's some kind of pride in building this app and getting it out there organically and you know, no marketing and whatever, it's like a badge of honor, mm. but it's really stupid. Like yeah. if you're trying to run a business, um, if people don't know about what you're doing, you're just being insane, like you're making it really difficult for yourself. Hi, and welcome to episode 96 of Be The Drop, a weekly podcast that delivers practical insights to help you unlock your brand story and supercharge your business. I'm Amelia Veal, small business owner and storytelling superhero. Here at Narrative Marketing, we strongly believe in the power of telling stories to help us learn and connect, and also to build business relationships that drive sales. Pocket Casts is my favourite app for listening to podcasts, and I'm not alone. Recently listed by Time as one of the five best podcast apps, Pocket Casts receives international recognition as one of the leading listening platforms on the market. I was therefore very excited to interview Russell Ivanovich, Pocket Casts co-founder and developer. Russell and his co-founder Philip Simpson developed their first app in 2008, an Australian weather app which became number one in the App Store in Australia. Two years later, they quit their day jobs and began full-time development on the Pocket Casts app. Pocket Casts was recently acquired by a collective group that includes four of the world's top podcast producers, NPR, WNYC Studios, WBEZ Chicago and This American Life. For Russell, the partnership works because the collective group shares his passion for keeping podcast content open and accessible to everyone. In today's episode of Be The Drop, we delve into the world of podcasts. Russell talks about the highs and lows of his business journey and he reveals his predictions for the future of podcasts. This is Russell's version of Be The Drop. If you'd like more people to find your business story online, then I'd love for you to join me in my community of brand storytelling superheroes on Facebook. It's absolutely free to join. And in the group, we recently launched a free six-week program called SEO Basics, online storytelling to generate leads. If you'd like more people to find your digital content, but are confused by terms such as Google algorithms, SEO, or keyword optimization, then this program is for you. Join me and our group of like-minded people in supportive conversation on how to improve the performance of your online content. It's free. So head over to Facebook and join the Brand Storytelling Superheroes group today. What are you waiting for? Russell, thank you so much for joining me for our next episode of Be The Drop. My pleasure. It's great to be here on site. I know, look at this place. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the world of, of podcasts or pocket casts. Yes, this is where pocket casts is made. I'd like to pretend there's some sort of grand studio around us that we're in, but, but there's not really. <laughs> well, for those of the, for our listeners, there is a grand studio right around us. <laughs> we can paint the picture. We can. It's huge. It uh, spans multiple stories. It's, it's our empire, basically, podcasting empire. To get us started, to tell us a little bit about your empire, 
um, whether it be physically real or not, um, you've got an item of significance with you. I have, yes. So if you could introduce that item, tell us about it and how it tells a bit about your story and your community. Yeah, so can I nerd out on you a little bit? Yeah, I'll do it. I have with me the, the very first iPhone ever made. So this one actually never made it to Australia. It was released only yeah. in, the, in the US. I was an enterprise developer at the time. Um, this thing had come out and no one knew anything about it, right? So I convinced my brother-in-law to import a whole bunch from the States. Um, we sold some on eBay and we kept some for ourselves. I'll never forget the day this arrived in my house. It was all of us sitting on these two couches. We're just kind of sitting there. We only had two phones and we're just tapping away for like <laughs> hours on it. It was just something magical about the, I know it sounds stupid now, but the whole interaction of like everything your finger does, like the screen would follow it. You could tell that this was something else and this was going to like, you know, change a whole bunch of industries, which it ended up doing. Yeah, and uh, this is cool. Like uh, this is amazing to hold this, but from there, Pocket Cast is is down the track. Is this linked to that somehow? You know, this the change in behaviours, that yeah. ability to have you know access to apps. On on that phone when they first released it, um, there were no apps. Like there was no app store. There was nothing you could do. Um, it wasn't till a year later that they actually released that. And but I remember when the app store came out. I think normally as a developer you'd ignore that kind of thing because you're busy. You got a full time job. You're doing other stuff. But it was the experience of having played with this thing a year earlier and sort of having it as my main phone. I'm like, no, I think there's there's something here. So um, a friend and I actually got together and we made a weather app. That's that's funnily enough where Pocket Cast started. We made an Australian weather app of all things. Um, it went to number one in the store. It was number one for quite a few weeks. And you know, two years later we actually quit our jobs and we went full time. And that's when we worked on Pocket Cast because. We were thinking these devices had moved along sort of in two years. They were, I don't know if you remember the black sort of shiny 3GSs and stuff. But at that point, we're like, we need to, to have our audio listening experience on here because it was very hard. You had to sync it to iTunes. You had to copy all the data across. It was a huge pain. And we're like, as developers, we can try and solve some of this pain for ourselves. And maybe, you know, other people will enjoy that as well. Mm. So when, when was that? When was Pocket Cast first started? So this was in 2010. So we had the we were just working part time. We had the weather app at that stage that was really successful in Australia. I think it, by 2012 it was on one in five iPhones in Australia. So it really took off here. Um, and we needed something to do when we went full time. So 2010 we went full time. We're like we're going to do this podcasting. Like let's try it out. And it was actually a complete disaster. Like it, the, the sales of it were horrendous for like the first few years. Like we didn't sell many copies at all. But we just kind of kept you know plugging away at it because we felt like. There, there was something there that you know was good. We just had to kind of refine it down to what it was meant to be. Mm. And so what was happening in the podcast world at that time? Because whilst podcasts existed, they weren't as big then? No, they weren't as big. and Some of them were quite nerdy. I don't know if you've heard of um, Leo Laporte and his This Week in Tech Network. So he was like a, not a celebrity, but he was on TV over in the US on cable channels. Um, and the cable channel he was on shut down. And he saw the podcasting movement. There was a few others already making podcasts at that time. And he's like, I can make a whole studio out of this. And that's one of the first times I saw like a big organization, you know, sort of rise up in the podcasting space and actually make content. And then you had the radio stations, obviously, which were really interested in it. They're like, on, on demand audio, like this mm. is, this is pretty cool, right? Yeah. And that's, that's where it kind of took off. It wasn't really popular until, you know, the serials of this world sort of came along. It did definitely. That was a turning point for podcasts. But there was quite a momentum of growth in that time as well. Yeah, there was. It was quite amazing to see because, you know, Leah wasn't anyone doing it. There was people all over the world doing it. And the cool thing I really loved about podcasting is you could literally grab a microphone. You could 
sit down wherever on your couch in your house. Um, you could Skype with someone across the world and you could actually make a podcast about whatever you wanted. And, and that model, I don't think, really existed before that. No. And, and that's certainly one of the things that really appealed to me about podcasts. It's like this, you, you know, you could do it anywhere with very limited equipment and you can create this content about anything. Yeah. I went to Social Media Marketing World in 2015 and John, John Lee Dumas, so JLD Entrepreneurs on Fire, was there speaking and I was just like, oh, I've, I've got to do this. And that was not long after that that I had my original chat with you about this yeah, this podcasting thing <laughs> because in, in Australia like in America it, you know that that yeah. the market was really getting quite sophisticated in Australia it's really only been in the last couple of years that I feel like we've yeah, caught up with that is that what you've seen yeah like obviously the ABC got into it in a big way like quite a few years ago but we I, I see the same with a lot of podcasts like yourself like you, you start off at a point where you're like I don't know what podcasting is but I really want to find out more mm-hmm. and all of a sudden a few years later you know you've got this professional podcast you've got listeners like it's kind of building momentum I think that's starting to happen in Australia as well mm, yeah and certainly the other thing that I'm seeing now is that businesses are seeing that yeah you know, there's a space for them to communicate because, you know, we're in such a noisy digital climate where there's so much content. Businesses are now seeing that that podcasting, they can actually reach an audience that's interested in their specific niche. As you mentioned, you can make niche content. Yeah, absolutely. And you're also seeing a rise in branded content, right? So a lot of... um uh, networks are now doing this thing where like a big company will come to them like a Ford or a Holden or someone and they'll say we don't want to make a podcast about Ford or Holden but we do want the brand to sort of sit on top of it and then potentially we want to make I don't know some kind of storytelling podcast or some kind of inspirational podcast to sort of kind of tie the, the brand in with that I see a lot of sort of companies trying that mm. out as well mm. and it's interesting I recently saw some some data that was talking about audio listening numbers and they were linking things like the decline in Facebook um, but then they're, they were having this conversation and marrying that with people have now got speakers in their home yeah. so they're saying it's this you know there's a, a mix this this sort of economy that's come together and really providing a space for explosion of audio content yeah it, it's made for it, right because all these companies already have tv screens in your house but it's very you know you got to sit down you got to press the button you got to engage with netflix or youtube there is something about just talking at a speaker and it starts playing something that's a, a little bit magical like i think we're still you know it's not the explosion yet like we're kind of in front of it but there's the potential there for if that really takes off if that mm. becomes the way you listen to audio in your home it almost becomes a replacement for the radio I guess mm. like you know like I'm not old enough to remember but there was a time when people would turn on the wireless like every day and they'd listen to their shows and that was mm. the way they engaged with audio content maybe maybe this is the future of that we've been fortunate like we originally entered the space because we were passionate about podcasting but little did we know that the entire industry would keep growing like since 2010 to 2018 where we are now mm. um, it's literally just like a straight line growth of you know, more people listening to podcasts, more people downloading our app, you know, the audience is getting bigger, the podcast sometimes getting more ambitious as well. Like, mm. you look at some of the production budgets for some of these oh, new yeah. shows and they're, they're really high. Oh, like S-Town, and I know S-Town was really popular. Like, I was seduced yeah. by that audio content. It was yeah. brilliant. Yeah. So then talking about the serials and that of the world, Pocket Cast has recently been purchased. Yes. So tell me a bit about that, as, you know, as much as you can, I assume it's an open conversation. Yeah, pretty much. So um, about 12 months ago, we were approached by um, a set of organisations. So I don't know if you're familiar with um, National Public, Public Radio in the US, so NPR, uh, WNYC, which is a local broadcaster for New York, 
Um, there was WBZ, which is the Chicago Public Broadcaster, and there's This American Life, which is this strange sort of spin-off from the Chicago Public Radio. But yep. so these four people got together, and they're all kind of in the space, uh, the same space together. And it was really interesting that those four got together, and they they kind of reached out to us, and they said, "Hey, look, um, we see a potential in the podcasting space where." You know, there's a few big players that have now got a lot of money behind them, and we're really worried that some of them could come and actually lock down this open ecosystem that we all love and is kind of in our best business interests. Mm. And they're like, you know, we'd be curious to know if you share those same concerns and is there some potential for us to work together? And so we thought about and we thought we do share some of those same concerns. Like if, um, make a pretend company up. Some pretend company up gets $100 million, um, they invent some kind of podcasting ecosystem, and they somehow manage to lock it down so that you, for example, have to sign uh, content licensing deals with them and they're potentially exclusive to them so they couldn't be in apps like Pocket Cast. Mm. Like if someone succeeds at doing that, that is quite a concern, not just for us as a business, but also for us as like, you know, podcast enthusiasts. So, mm. so we, we agreed with them. We're like, yeah, there is the potential for this. You know, we'd like to explore this. So for about two months, um, we went backwards and forwards on some kind of partnership um, potential and we sort of, we, you know, um denied about how that would work. And then by the end of that two months, it became really obvious that that was just too complicated. Like for us to partner with them who are in New York on the other side of the world. And, and they're already in a quite a big partnership. Yeah, they're in their own partnership and there's a lot of complexities in how they run their businesses and how the restrictions they're already under because a lot of them are public funded. Um, we just said, look, this is getting too complicated. Like we, we have aligned goals, but this is not going to work. And then they came back to us um, a few weeks later and said, hey, look, we understand that doesn't work. What about an acquisition instead where we will buy pocket casts and we'll sort of set it up as an independent company and we'll leave you, you in charge of all the software development and sort of setting future direction. But potentially we'll put a board in place that, you know, can okay plans and make sure we're sort of headed in the right direction. And we thought about that and we're like, yeah, that makes a lot more sense, right? Because we get to, we get to maintain a lot of freedom, not obviously absolute freedom, but you still get that sort of freedom that we had before. And we get to control the direction the company's headed in. Mm. And so anyway, fast forward another eight months. So it was a full 12 months in, yeah. in like negotiations. Eventually we, we got to a contract that we signed. And then I think in April they announced that, which is really exciting for us. And so what does that mean then? Like, you know, do, do you then get to, do you see future growth? Like what happens next? So the idea is to, to scale up the business. So make it bigger, make it better. Um, all these ambitious sort of plans that we've had on the whiteboard for, I don't know, years now. And you look at them and you're like, we can't do these with five people. It's just, no. it's not physically possible. Like we are already struggling just to maintain our apps on iOS, Android, you know, in the car, on the speaker, all these different places. Mm. And so we're going to staff up initially, just slowly. We don't want to sort of, you know, kill the culture of the company or anything. And then once we have that kind of scale, then we want to try and actually do things for the benefit of the entire industry. So find other ways to monetize podcasts content, um, you know, find ways to keep the ecosystem open, potentially make platforms that other people can build on um, and that kind of thing. We, I guess we haven't locked a lot of that down yet. We're still in the sort of planning phase. But the idea is to, to grow, basically, to become bigger. Mm. Well, and, you know, so you've, and you're now partnered. So then what is that relationship with the partners and their content? So is there, you know, how did you, co- you know, manage that? You're creating an open ecosystem, yeah. but obviously they create their own content. Does that, does that impact the, you know... The ability for Pocket Cast to non be non-biased. How does that work? Yeah, that's that's a really interesting part. So that's one of the most common questions people had when they heard about it. They're yeah. like, "Does this mean I'm going to be bombarded with NPR content?" But the fact that it's structured as a separate company mm. means that we're not we don't have to push their content above other content. But there's no we don't have to remove content. There's not going to be any sort of filter or anything like that. So they will continue to have their own apps. Like NPR has an app called NPR One that's quite popular in the US. So their content will continue to get pushed through there. And our focus will just be on the entire podcasting industry. So they're more, I don't know, that they are owners, but they're not in direct control of the company, if that makes mm. sense. So we still make all the day-to-day decisions. Mm. And does that mean then there's a lot of pressure for you to spend more time in the US? 
Yeah, there is. In fact, I've just just come back from like a, the second trip there, like this year. Yeah. Um, hopefully, we can get them to come out to Adelaide as well. I think that that'd be quite fun to see these people from New York, you know, yeah. a giant city, come to little Adelaide and kind of experience yeah. the culture. So I asked you to prepare a story. Um, think of a story as something that's a bit of an aha moment, business lesson learned. It's yeah. a bit hard to ask, but, you know, is there one <laughs> that you can pick? No, there, there is one that stands out. And it's oh, a, good. It's one of those typical, like, you know, things went bad and then they went well type stories. <laughs> so this was, cast your mind back to 2012, 2013. Um, like I said, the weather app we had, really popular. But um, we'd sold it to all the people we could sell it to. And Pocket Cast was not doing well. Like we'd spent, we'd plowed a solid two years worth of development into it and it just wasn't taking off for whatever reason. Like, and we sat there and we're like, we added up the hours we've spent, we added up how much money we had left in account and we're like, what do we do? Like, do we need to look for something else? Do we need to go back and get full-time jobs? Do we need to do something with the weather app? And we kind of sat down and we thought about, we're like, it's probably insane, but we're going to do something really different. We're actually going to... Um, take the entire experience that we have, bring it to the Android platform of all places, which wasn't very popular in Australia back then. And we're just tr- going to try and make a story out of going there first with like a really high quality app. And I told some of my friends this who were at the time independent um, Mac and iOS developers and they thought we were insane. Like I, I won't, won't mess around with you. And that I kind of, I started to think it was a little bit insane as well. I'm like, have we done something like really stupid here? But anyway, we launched this thing, I think in around 2013 or so. And this was version 4. At the time, we skipped a whole bunch of versions just to make it look impressive. We're like, this is version 4 of the app. It's, it's, it's on Android first. Um, and it exploded. It got yeah. so many news articles, so many stories written about it. So many even Apple sites covered it. It's like, look at these weirdos like releasing something on Android first. And just that entire buzz like accelerated the Android app like unbelievably on day one. And it also lifted the sales of the, the iOS app as well. That's kind of the day it, yeah, it really took off. And that sticks in my mind like a lot, as you can imagine, yeah. I guess. So what is it that you take from that? Like, you know, obviously there's that, <laughs> the self-doubt and working <laughs> through that. But so for you, what was that the key lesson from that? To me, and I think this is a stubborn sort of Eastern European type streak, but to me it's, it's really about um, not following the common wisdom, I guess. Because everyone at the time was like, you can't make money on Android, you shouldn't be on Android, don't waste your time. And that proved itself time and time again. Like people would port a very bad version of their app to the Android platform and it would work horrendously and it would perform horrendously in terms of sales. And they'd be like, look, we told you so, that's exactly what happened. That's just kind of a streak that both I think Philip and I myself have is just going against the common wisdom and just trying things that people don't think will work. And that might be stupid advice. I don't, I don't really know from a business <laughs> point of view, but that's, that's kind of what I love doing is just if everyone says don't do this, I'm like, no, I'm going to try and do this and yeah. see what happens. But I, and I suppose then the challenge is how do you make that decision? You know, how do you know how far to push something, yeah. when to say no? Yeah. Like, and when to give up on something as well because I've seen a lot of friends, like uh, I've got one friend who's been working on something for five years now and it's like, do you do you have that sort of sunk cost fallacy that you just keep chasing the thing that's not working mm. or one day do you step back? And I think that's one of the hardest things to decide like mm. in a business as well. Mm. And understanding where the market is because yeah. that's that's the thing. And, and Android users were crying out for good yes. apps. So there was that, that hunger. Okay, so then I also need to do our minute of power. I'm so, a bit scared about this. Are you? Oh. <laughs> All right, okay. So your first question in your minute of power is to share your number one business advice. Okay. Go? Go. Ready. Number one business advice, I think, for me is to ignore common wisdom. Like, I know I've already said it, but yeah. I'm saying it again. Well, how about, have you got something else to add? Because we've already done that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, so you've still got 45 seconds. Uh, okay. Uh, maybe listen to your customers is the other one. And, and not to, to give them exactly what they want. I know this sounds really, really high and lofty, like ivory tower stuff. But to listen to what they're actually asking for and try and give it to them in a way that 
um, doesn't ruin what you're doing, basically. Mm, that's good. I like that. Okay, so you were fine. Oh my god, we still got thirty seconds, and you got two in. All right. Okay. So we cancel that one. And so the second one, I feel like your story might have covered some of this as well. Sorry. But anyway, so um, biggest challenge. You have to use a different challenge. Okay. I got one. Oh, good, great. And then how you overcame it. All right, go. So the biggest challenge is when we actually ran out of money as a company. And I think any of our employees actually know this story because we, we did a whole bunch of spreadsheets. We plotted the numbers and we're like, at this point, we actually go to zero dollars. And so ahead of that time, we actually stopped paying ourselves. We didn't tell anyone we're still paying our employees. And we had to get a, a version of this, an update of this weather app that we're going to try as a paid update, which was another crazy thing that we did at the time. Apple doesn't really have this thing of doing paid updates and we tried one. And we had to get it out by a certain date. And I think we missed that date by about two days but we got there and then the sales exploded and we were fine like from then on but yeah. I, I had this screenshot that I took I don't know if you remember that iCloud photo sharing thing yeah uh, it said three cents in the shifty jelly bank account and it actually synced back to my photo stream so my wife saw it and she's like I've just got a question like what is this I'm like, ah. <laughs> three cents you can do lots with three cents <laughs> it's with three more than one cent yeah okay well that's good so okay but from that we're gonna we are gonna run out of time but from that you know, what, like, what was the biggest thing that you took away from that? I think that the biggest thing that I took away is that if you believe in something, it's, it's okay to go without for a while, I guess. And I know a lot of businesses do this. This isn't unique to us. But I, I was fine with not being paid for a while. Like, it wasn't easy. You know, you had to cut back in a lot of areas. But I kind of believed that what we were working on would succeed, and we just kind of pushed on. Mm. So in that, though, you mentioned that you were doing a paid upgrade yeah. within Apple. And that was something that wasn't really done. So how did you go about making that decision as well? Well, part of it was financial. We had pretty much no other choice. Like we couldn't have made another app in the time and our existing app had been out for four years. And we're like, now's a good time to try and get more money from our existing customers. And it was also just as a crazy experiment because you have to, the way that the logistics of it work is you have to launch a brand new application it has to be like a different thing. You have to convince all the people that use the current one to switch over. And that wasn't easy. There was mm. a lot of people really angry at us. They're like, how can you charge me $2 again? Which <laughs> you, you might not understand, but that's how the app store works. Like people will blow $50 buying gems in Candy Crush, but they will not spend $2 on like a paid application. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's that weird. Yeah. Yeah. So then when you were going through that process of getting them to cross over, how did you communicate that? Uh, terribly is, is just the, <laughs> the short answer. We, uh, up until very recently, we've been terrible at marketing. Um, and so originally we just thought, oh, we'll try the gently, gently approach, right? We'll put it out, we'll announce it on Twitter, but we won't put anything in our application to tell people. And we thought that was a brilliant idea because we wouldn't tick anyone off. It didn't turn out to be that successful. And then we thought, okay, let's put some messaging in the old app, like leave it as is, maybe put a few extra features in and just put a little tiny message that says, hey, there's a new one. And that worked okay. And that what we found what really worked is when we turned off the servers to the old one. That was our biggest sales day ever. It's basically just kicking everyone off the old platform and saying like, you know, rip the band off basically. Like you've had enough, It's it's been five years, like, you know, you, you, you got what you paid for, it's time to move on. And surprisingly, not many people were angered by that. We found that the majority of them had no idea that we'd made something new. And we're like, we put this big red thing in the app and they're like, oh, I didn't didn't see it. Yeah, I just sort of went and did it and did it. Yeah, exactly, that. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it was that weird sort of disconnect. Like we thought we were doing some really smart marketing type messaging and we weren't. The day we turned it off is the day, mm. you know, we had our best sales day. Yeah. I mean, and that's just a challenge in marketing and communication, isn't it? Because yeah. until you beat people around the head, they don't necessarily <laughs> read what was in front of them. Yes. Yeah, so we found out since. Mm. And so then going forward then, you said, you know, you've changed your focus with marketing. What sort of communication are you doing differently? Well, the thing I'm doing differently, this was a real um, 
tough thing for me because there's this there's this thing in the developer world that you meet any developer who's independent they're like marketing's a dirty word like it's disgusting you don't want to do <laughs> SEO and marketing and I used to feel like exactly like that because you think there's some kind of pride I won't take in, it personally no 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 <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like that anymore by the way but there's some kind of pride in building this app and getting it out there organically and you know no marketing and whatever it's like a badge of honor mm. but it's really stupid like yeah. if you're trying to run a business um, if people don't know about what you're doing, you're just being insane. Like you're making it really difficult for yourself. Mm. And that's kind of one place I've kind of grown up as a business owner is like, no, it's, it's okay to hire marketing people. It's okay to find you know, outside influence. And what we've done is um, we've got a CEO involved now who's really big in the marketing sort of world. And we're actually in the process of hiring like a dedicated marketing manager. And if you had told me that two years ago, I probably would have laughed at you. But now it makes a lot of sense. Like yeah. that, that's how you get more success is you have to get into that sort of world. Yeah, because you can have the best app ever, but if people don't know about it, then... Absolutely, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of developers still don't realise. They still have that badge of honour, like, no, I'm going to plough on and do this myself, which is almost a bit, you know, masochistic, I guess. Yeah, but so you mentioned then getting in and looking at SEO and, and delving into that, which I call the dark side. Well, that's the dark side of marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah personally. Well, I come from a creative content development side, so, yeah, it, but an incredibly necessary one. Yeah. What is your experience then getting into that? Have you delved deeply into that or where are you at? No, so my experience is now hiring other people to do that. <laughs> still, I don't feel dirty doing it, but it's not an area of... Well, that's another thing. You've got to be comfortable that you can't do everything. Because yeah. when you first start your business, Philip and I were literally doing everything. We're filing BAS statements. We're reconciling stuff in our accounting software. We're just answering like support emails. And then we sat down and we calculated the amount of time we spent. And it's like this much development, like I'm holding up you know, tiny little amount, two hours a week or something, and all the other hours are spent doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's being comfortable, I guess, you know, hiring people or, you know, part-time people to do that sort of thing. So same thing in the marketing world. We're hiring basically people who are experts in the field, like, because we're not, we're just not good at that sort of thing. No. So then along this business journey for you, you know, you're talking about doing all the things and building it and you making that transition from full-time work into your own business what like what what sort of things have you learned along that process about yourself and about running business one of the first things i realized is i'm not very good at managing people when you have such a small company your initial reaction if you're someone like me is to try and be friends with everyone so you're like you know let's go out together let's do this let's do that and then you realize that gets very awkward when something goes wrong in the office and you have to like either you know pull someone up or they're asking for a pay rise or something like that. if you've established this weird sort of thing where you're friends but you're also their boss it's mm. it doesn't really work and i think i learned that in the early days as well we had a few employees that they were good people like it was fine we just set up the wrong structure i think inside the company and so we're to learn now next time we hire someone like this is how we do it. it's going to be more formal there's going to be contracts there's going to be all that sort of thing mm. and that's a difficult thing sometimes because i don't know if you're like me but i just want to be liked by everyone right like, <laughs> please like me but, well i think that's a human tendency yeah maybe right? maybe but it's a hard thing as someone who runs a company though sometimes you have to be not brutal but you have to be like a little bit like this is the way it is like and so then what are your thoughts around you know now you've got a big international ownership like yeah. you, and you mentioned protecting your culture uh, you know obviously this is a process you still to go through but what are your thoughts around how to manage that because that's quite a different culture Oh, absolutely, yeah. And um, so our initial thoughts are that we, we have this plan for how big we want the company to get, right? But we definitely don't want to get there too quickly. Like we feel like if you maybe hire three people at a time, you kind of get them settled, you get them working, um, and you just slowly build up the company like that, maybe that's the way to go. We're about to find out, I guess, because <laughs> that, that's the interesting part of the journey. But I hope that, yeah, I hope that we can sort of just pace it because there is the, the temptation to be like, we've got all this money behind us now because they've invested a whole bunch of money into the company. Let's just you know, hire everyone straight away and get straight to where we want to be. But we're trying to sort of rein it back and be like, no, we have to do it slow and steady, one thing at a time. That, that's all ahead of us. And that's part of the excitement as well. Like we've been doing this for eight years now. Mm. And uh, that's a long time. Mm. 
And it's a long time to be doing the same thing. Like yeah. we, the, the number one question I get from all my friends and relatives is, what's the next thing you're working on? Do you want a new big app idea? Because I have one, like I'll share it with you. Yeah. And they're like, no, this is, this is successful. This is what we're doing. <laughs> and so it's, it's kind of fun to be doing something new still in the same app, but you know, doing it on a bigger scale. Is it a bit like, I remember I heard um, a speech from Mem Fox and she was like, she co- constantly has people come up to her and go, I've got the, the next best idea for a book. Yeah. Let's go, you, you can write it, but I'll give you the idea and we'll, you know, it'll be our joint. It will go 50-50. <laughs> and she's all like, oh, the idea's not the hard bit. Exactly. No, I, I kid you not, I have hundreds of emails like that in my inbox where someone's like, I've got this great idea. I can't tell you what it is until you sign all these documents. You know, I'll be like the marketing businessy sort of person. You just do all the app development. We'll go 50-50. And you're like, that's not how it works. Like there's a, there's a lot, like the idea is the easy part, right? It's the execution that, that is really hard. Yeah. And so then for you, it's really about building up Pocket Cast and building that app and building how people can utilize it. Yeah, absolutely. And without screwing it all up as well, which is which is a tall order because all we hear from them constantly is like, you've done such an amazing job. This is so good. You've done so well at that. And at the back of your mind, it's like, oh, yeah, that might be true, but let's hope we don't you know, screw that up going forward. Yeah. And you mentioned looking at monetizing podcasts as well. How would that link in with what you're doing with Pocket Cast, bringing on advertisers through the platform? We feel like the advertising space is, is kind of the sole problem. Like, there's a lot of other companies doing dynamic ad insertion and different kind of ad platforms and stuff. I feel like that'll grow on its own. Like that doesn't need our help. The kind of place we're focusing on is the other side of that. Like is there... If you're someone who doesn't want to take on advertising, if you want other ways to monetize your content, like can can we potentially help you out there? Well, that's good. I'd be interested in that. Well, there you go. <laughs> Customer number one. <laughs> yeah, you need a dummy. All right. Well, thank you so much, Russell. But in conclusion, can you share with me your be the drop tip? And that is your top tip for communication that connects. Oh, communication. Is it okay if it's really cliched? You go for it. Is that all right? Yeah. Sure? My top tip is honestly to listen to people more. Because I feel like that's an easy thing to say and it's an easy thing to pretend to do. But you see so many people, and I used to do this as well when you have conversations with people, that you're busy trying to figure out what your next point is and you're not really listening to what the other person says. And sometimes the people you don't expect to have really amazing points of view, like actually do, they really blow you away. When you just sit down, you're like, no, tell me more about this thing that that you're talking about. And I'm sorry, that does sound extremely cliche, no. but I've learned that time and time again. Like, if you want to be good at communicating, you've got to be good at listening. I 100% don't think that's cliche because not enough people do it. To actively listen actually takes quite a bit of effort. Yeah. So, and, and then not only to listen, but to utilise that information to do something, to yeah. engage in that. I don't think that's cliche at all. Yes. Yes. Well done. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well done. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. It is our mission to help unlock the power of story through this podcast and the range of products and services that we offer. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To get in touch with any specific comments, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. Until next time.